Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You and I will never have perfect control of our words, our tongues. But I have, and you have, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit living within us. He empowers us to be fruitful. Bearing fruit is a natural outgrowth of God in me, John 15. It isn't because I try harder, it's because I just abide in Him. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is going to have great relevance to us as far as God using that to help me tame my tongue. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. For some of us, that would mean we'd never speak again. Today, we're learning that what you say and how you say it has the ability to enhance or destroy your testimony. Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life, but opening your mouth can ruin everything. Today, Pastor Mark reminds us the heart is the control center where all our decisions are made. It's what we allow in that comes out, so we must pray. Let everything we say be good and helpful and encouraging to those that hear. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 17, with his continuing study entitled, Controlling Our Tongues. Lord, let us hear your lessons Watch what Jesus says. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. Circle that. The things that come out of the mouth start in the heart. And these make a man, a woman, unclean. Stumble, sin. Now, what comes out of our heart? Look at verse 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. I'll talk about our thinking at the end. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what is the heart? The heart is the the control center where all the decisions are left for me. It's not the beating heart. It's the part, the center of us. It's our whole being, the center of our mind, our will, emotions. So you have to write this down and understand it if we're going to help ourselves in this area of our words and our tongue. Here's the key you want to write down. The real problem is not our tongues, but our hearts. It's not our tongues. That's a secondary issue. The problem I have with sin, the stumbling, comes because my heart is not right with God. You see, our words reveal what's in our heart. Let me tell you something. I saw this quote and I thought it was great. Our tongues give us away. They tell others 
who we really are. Whoa. Whoa. You see, if we allow God to control our hearts, then we can control our tongues, and that has an effect on my whole body, my whole being. The result is what we call the spirit-controlled life, the spirit-filled life. So the tongue is very small, but it's incredibly powerful, gets us into all kinds of trouble. Let's go back to James 3.3, and we'll have some kind of pictures of what that looks like and how this little small part of us has great impact in our life. James 3, 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So what is this saying? Here's what I want you to write. Here's what James is trying to show us, something very small that is able to direct control. It says this. Take a look. The tongue is like a bit and the mouth that directs a thousand-pound horse. A little piece of metal can direct, potentially, a thousand-pound horse. Now, why do I say potentially? Well, you have to know how to use that bit. My wife's a horse person, and when we got married, especially early on, and we'd go on vacation somewhere, and she'd want to ride a horse. So I was always the perfect husband, and I said, I'll ride with you. I'm not a horse person. I would get on that horse. I know it had a bit in its mouth, but I think it was made of, well, silly putty. Because any time I directed that baby, that horse... My wife's riding ahead. That horse ride right back to the stable. <laughs> I just had to wait for my wife to get done with the ride. I couldn't ever direct that horse. It didn't have the power to do it because I didn't know how to use the bit. Now, what am I saying with all that? If you know how, that little piece of metal with a little bit of leather on a huge horse, it can direct it. It can direct the whole horse. That's what Paul's saying. That little tongue, if we know how to use it, can affect direction of our whole body. Well, he's not done. Look at verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, James had no idea in his day, and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot, watch this, wants to go. Would you write this down, Vieira Sebastian? The tongue is like a rudder that steers a ship. Now, I don't know how many of you are kind of cruising people. You, you like to take cruises. There you are. Good. That's all the people that need to lose weight, right? Right there. <laughs> I love to take a cruise. When I come home, what do I have to do? I have to lose weight. Because nobody eats like that three times a day in a chocolate buffet at midnight? Come on. <laughs> but the cruises are fun. Now, uh, I Linda and I haven't done a lot of cruises, but we have, and I haven't done one in this. Maybe you have, the allures of the sea. Let me give you an example. The allure of the seas weighs 225,000 tons. It maintains a crew of 2,300. It can handle 6,300 guests. It even boasts seven neighborhoods. 
on the ship. So one of the neighborhoods is, uh, on one of the decks is Central Park in New York. You can go up, there's trees, there's places to sit. It offers 25 different dining options. There's two 43-foot-tall rock-climbing walls, two surfing simulators, watch this, and a zip line that transverses nine decks. Now, no matter the storm, no matter the wind, what directs it? A small piece of metal can determine the course of this huge 225,000-pound floating hotel. So what do these first two illustrations say to you and me about my tongue? It's like a bit. It's like a rudder. It says this, the tongue is small, but it has major impact and influence in my life. The tongue in a person's words can determine the direction and the course of the person's life. That little bit determines the direction the horse is going. That rudder determines where the course that ship is on. Think about this. One little word. You've done something wrong, and the word comes back guilty from the judge. That will affect some people, one word, forever. I want you to hear these two words and see if you think there's any long-term effect from these two words. I do. (laughs) Those of you that don't know what just happened, those are the married people sitting next to you. Has that, those two little words impacted your life forever? Can say, amen. Still does today. When I'm tempted, there's two words I can say. All of us have said this, I'll do it. And we wish we'd have never given in to that temptation. See, God can help us say, I won't. How much better the outcome? Look at verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Here's what I want to ask you to write. This should scare us. Watch this. The tongue is like a fire that comes straight from hell. That's what James says. Notice, Proverbs 18.21 says this. The tongue can bring death or life. The power of our tongue. Death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, when James talks about a fire, the first thing that should come to your mind is early in the spring, if you hear a news report from California, what are you always hearing? A fire. What's the cause of that fire? Often what? A cigarette butt or a little teeny spark. And does it have any devastation? Thousands and thousands of homes 
acreage, trees, all kinds of things. It's the same with our words. Would you write this down? Like a fire, our words often have widespread impact. A little spark causes all kinds of trouble. That's what James is talking about. It causes widespread impact. Miles of homes are destroyed. Thousands of acres are destroyed. All of us have written an email to someone far away. And the minute we hit send, right after that we go, oh. Anybody been there? I wish it's too late. And it goes all over. And it has great impact. Some of us, we've received an email from somebody. And you open the email, and most of the email is capital letters. What do you think's coming? You already know what's coming. They're telling you without verbally, without a tongue, they're telling you death to you. All kinds of stuff that happens through emails, texting. We've all seen a lie, a slanderous word, an unchucked tongue. We've all seen what it can do to a person's character, a company, a school. Many of you come from churches where you saw words destroy the church. Split it. God's protected us so much in 22 years. We've never had that. Thank you, Jesus. Understand, the source of this evil is from Satan and hell itself. Now, that shouldn't surprise us. The danger of Satan's influence on our words. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And the easiest way to do that is with our words. Think about his first interaction with Eve in the garden. What did Satan do? He lied. God has not said. The power of those words caused death to you and me because it separated us from a holy God, exactly as it did for Eve, exactly as it did for Adam. You see, those words are put there by Satan for a purpose. God came to give us life, life-giving words. Satan wants us to use our words to cause death. Now, there was a story of a man who gossiped about a neighbor, small town, but then discovered a few days later after all the gossip that it was not true. The word quickly had already spread around the town. The truth was out. It was too late, but it wasn't truth. So the man went to his pastor for help, and the pastor said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a big bag of feathers, and I want you to go to wherever you think that false story went, and I want you to place it on the doorstep. Well, of course, he knew some he told, but then he'd have to go to them and say, who did you tell? Because that's what happens. And he found as many as he could, so he put all those feathers out on those doorsteps. And he was instructed by the pastor to go back the next day then and pick up all of those feathers and bring them back, and he would tell them the story and how the illustration would work in his life. Well, the man obeyed, went to all those places, left the feathers there. Next morning he got up, he went to all the places where he left the feathers, and they'd all blown away. He went back to the pastor And the pastor said, this is exactly what happens with gossip and slander and our careless words. Once these words are out of our mouth, 
We rarely can get them back. We can't find them anymore. We can be forgiven, but the damage is usually not repairable. See, that's the danger. There isn't a person listening to me this morning that doesn't wish we could take back some words we said to our children, our spouses, our friends, even our pastors and teachers. Facebook is good for that now. It spreads quickly. You see, just a few words can destroy a relationship that took years to build. Whose goal is that? Satan. Words from hell. So our tongues can be grace, an instrument of grace and life and blessing, or our tongues can serve as a divisive instrument of evil. Which will it be? Which will it be? Now, the next section is is about the difficulty of taming our tongue. Look at verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. Now, James never went to SeaWorld, but we understand the principle. How many of you still like going to SeaWorld? And I know it's not politically correct. Whatever. I, I like to see Shamu and all that jazz. I mean, that's, that's wonderful to see all of that. And, and so we understand this morning, we, we love to train birds. We love to train our dogs. We love our, well, we, we watch as cats train us. <laughs> Amen. I heard somebody say cats are, are from hell. I mean, Satan's a roaring lion. It's just a big cat. Okay, now let's move on from that quickly. I I know I'll get emails from that, but hallelujah. I got the newspaper yesterday, and the headline front page is this, How Smart Is Your Dog? So it goes to the article, and it says that dogs have great potential to learn words. Now, it says the average dog can learn 165 words. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many have a less than average dog? 165 words? My dog knows like two, out and treat. How about yours? 165 words. Maybe that says something about the trainer. Let's not even go there. Okay. Now, here, here's the, the world's so-called smartest dog. Knows, he knows, 1,000 words. That's better than me. <laughs> A thousand words. Now, that James says we're able to do that with animals. Amazing. Wonderful. But look at verse 8. But no man can tame his tongue. It is a restless evil. Watch this. Full of deadly poison. Would you write this down this morning? No person without God's help can tame their own tongue. James is reminding us it's impossible for you. I could train my dog. I could train my cat, my bird. I cannot tame my tongue. I can't train my tongue to say the right things. I need God's help. You see, in fact, notice what James says. Words are like venom from a poisonous snake. And words that, that venom that hurts and kills, and it kills love, it kills respect, it kills unity, it kills happiness. Let me read to you Psalm 140. 
Old Testament. Notice what David says. Their tongues sting like a snake. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Granted, you and I will never have perfect control of our words, our tongues. But I have, and you have, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit living within us. He empowers us to be fruitful. Bearing fruit is a natural outgrowth of God in me, John 15. It isn't because I try harder. It's because I just abide in him. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is going to have great relevance to us as far as God using that to help me tame my tongue. Take a look here. We start with the first part. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those things will be in my life as a Christian. Here's one I want to stop at for a moment. Patience. Does patience have anything to do... Does patience have anything to do with my words? <laughs> Say yes. You already know it does. If I lose patience, do I have a problem with my mouth? Say yes. My wife and I were shopping. We were in a line. How many, when you get in a line of store, always get in the wrong line? Let me see your hand. Thank you very much. I feel better. Well, we're in this line, and we're two behind, and uh, the guy in front of me is waiting, and, and the cashier's there, and I look up, and the cashier's gone. For like four or five minutes, she's, she's gone. And I looked at another line over here, and I said to my wife, here we go again. I should have been in that line. But as I stayed there longer, I discovered, thank you, Jesus, I'm in this line. Because this lady had got her, she had a long line behind her. She got all her groceries taken care of, and she's now found in her purse her calculator. And she's standing there with all these people, and she's trying to figure out if she has enough cash or she should write a check. So she's adding everything up, separate, doing her checkbook in line before she checks out. Now, do you think anybody behind her had trouble with their mouth? <laughs> oh, they may not have said it, but what's going on, baby? She finally figured out she had to write a check. So you know what happened next? I watched her. She had to find it in this deep thing that she couldn't. I mean, I don't know where she. She's in there all over. And these people are. If that was you, I'm sorry, but do something different, would you? I mean, I don't know. Glad you're in church today. Praise God. Uh, by the time all that got through, the gal came back and we just moved out. So see what I'm trying to say to you this morning. Yeah, we can lose patience, and that affects our mouth. But if we have patience, then that's going to help me to control my what? My tongue. In my words. Now, as you begin to look at that, I mean, here's what I want you to write. Let me finish it. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Here's the one I want you to write. Self-control. Pastor Mark just reminded us that we'll never have perfect control of our tongues. But he also pointed out that as believers, we have the Holy Spirit living within us who can empower us to be fruitful. Scripture says that bearing fruit is a natural outgrowth of God in you. Friend, if you want to live life right, you must remember, it has nothing to do with trying harder to do or say the right things, but everything to do with abiding in Him. In his letter, James addresses 
practical issues of life that are as well as current as this morning's newspaper. You know, in our hostile world, we know that trouble is, well, simply part of our lives. Hardships, disappointments, tragedies, rejection, fear, persecution, conflict, unrealistic expectations, financial, marriage, and even family troubles. You see, God's Word never promises us to spare us from these trials, but God promises always to help us face these trials. Well, the book of James speaks to many of those issues. It's interesting that James himself, who was Jesus' half-brother, never really became a believer in Jesus until after the resurrection. So we see from James that he struggled with these same things about belief. And because he overcame that and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes to the Jewish people that no matter what you're facing, you can overcome the hostile world. A world that really is hostile to biblical truth and to a biblical lifestyle. Next time, Pastor Mark will remind us you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Think about things to praise, not what you can curse. This verse gives the solution to the problem of controlling what you say. Be sure to tune in next time when Pastor Mark uses it and others to remind us what we allow ourselves to think about, we'll eventually say. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving. Lord, let us hear your lessons.